Hey guys. Hey everybody. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chase. And this is Crime with a K. Back at it again. Okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. Happy Thursday. Hi, everybody. So today's coffee of the day. I don't think we have any updates. Other we than don't. We don't. No. I'll say the first update. So Fridays will actually be the Idaho murder updates. It'll be like a quick 10 minutes if there's anything new from the case that gets released. So you can make sure to look out for that every Fridays going forward. But coffee of the day. So I actually had this yesterday, thanks to Chase, because we went to a Christmas market in the morning. Oh, yeah. We went to the OMB Christmas market. It was so cute. It was really cool. I bought some stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, it was cool. And it's like a German... It's a German brewery, right? They're German. Yeah, it's German. Themed. Yep, German. So their Christmas market was German themed and like European themed and Eastern European like Christmas market. So it was really pretty. But after we left, because it was cold, I was like, I'm kind of craving a nice hot coffee. Like, I think I'm going to treat myself to a nice hot coffee. And Chase was like, you can treat yourself to a nice hot coffee for free from your kitchen. (laughs) Well, I said you can go down to the main lobby. Yeah, but he was like, you should save money and just make one at home. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. So I actually went home. And then when we were in Charleston, I bought a bag of boxcar coffee, Death by Chocolate, from one of their grocery stores because I'd never seen it. And it was really like in this really pretty display in the bar. I, grocery stores down here have a bar. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, we have bars and like live music. <laughs> it's so weird. At their grocery store. At the grocery store. So it's called Boxcar Coffee, and I bought the Death by Chocolate flavor. So I came home, I made a Death by Chocolate hot coffee with my peppermint oat milk creamer. It was so good. And so I had one this morning after you left. Okay. And it was so good. I had it during my meetings for work. Nice. Super yummy. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, we went there and we bought beer while we were there too at the grocery store. Oh, the grocery store. Yeah, there's a full bartender and everything. Yeah, like literally giving samples. Yeah, I'm glad you found it. And though. people were having dinner. I think the place was called Lowe's. I thought it was called Lowe's, but yeah, then I was it's like, Lowe's oh, was the grocery store down there in South Carolina. But people do that here too. People go to dinner and like get drinks. Like for the freaking what Sunday Panthers game, people go to the to Harris Teeter here while on we're, a Tuesday while we're grocery shopping. There'll out. be people drinking at the bar, like hanging out, talking with it's live like, music. What the hell? Yeah, so it's the strangest thing. We didn't have in Virginia Beach. No, we don't have. We do. If you start playing live music in a grocery store in New England, everybody would be like, "That is so infuriating." Yeah, no, it it pissed me off too. I mean, it honestly was so loud, and the guy had like nowhere to stand. <laughs> he was just standing in an aisle next basically. to the peppers. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I feel so bad for this guy. And you gotta think, he got up that morning and was like, "I gotta go play at the Harris Theater today." Like, <laughs> this is where my career's at right now we were oh, laughing because we guy. couldn't we were trying to communicate about what we were having for dinner and like we literally couldn't hear the other because like, it was goes, so loud do we need broccoli and i was like what what he's like do we need broccoli i'm like i can't hear you over the live band that's literally in the produce aisle yeah it's it's a good time though i mean i get it's people go so it obviously <laughs> work um so what was your coffee of the day Oh, I haven't had a coffee of the day really in a long time. Um, did I have a coffee this past weekend? Mm, no, I don't think so. I don't either. Um, that's okay. Yeah, I don't got it, and I've been—I haven't really had much of the energy packets either because I've just been no—he's going full speed at work. I don't even need it. Yeah, I know. 
You're kind of like with work lately. You're kind of nonstop. So yeah. So there you go, everybody. Hope you enjoyed mine. Um, you can get it anywhere. It was air. He was yeah. doing photosynthesis. It's very good for the human <laughs> body. Drink water. So jumping into today's case. So this case is the case of Austin Haroof. It's actually interesting because I saw it pop up on my Yahoo. That's how I decided to do it because I was like, oh, like literally last week I saw it pop up and I was like, oh, so this is like currently happening. The essentially trial, which now there won't be one and you'll hear why but i thought it would be interesting giving you all the facts now and now you can really keep up with the final outcome of the case okay let's hear it so austin haroof was born on december 21st 1996 to his parents his father wade haroof and mother mina haroof lived in palm beach gardens florida at the time and it's where they continued to raise austin and his younger sister Haley. When Austin was 13, his parents had gotten divorced and Austin ended up moving to Jupiter, Florida with his mom, which is about 30 minutes north of where he'd grown up. Jupiter, Florida is a very wealthy area. The average household income in 2022 for Jupiter is 135000 Damn. While the average household income in Florida is 57000 So these people aren't making small peanuts. And I know that's kind of weird to bring up, but it's going to come back around later and austin's dad wade was a dentist she obviously had money yeah they have money so austin attended high school at suncoast community high school in riviera beach there he played football and wrestling and he stood in at six feet tall and 200 pounds damn so he's a big boy Mm -hmm. austin idolized arnold schwarzenegger and he also never got a grade lower than a c through his participation in the international baccalaureate program which offered advanced high school classes for college credit he took biology chemistry statistics and math analytics in that program throughout high school and college austin kept a journal and in that journal during high school he wrote quote i love science because it never stops even though i may not be great at it yet in addition to science austin loved art and music so he was a really involved kid in high school he was a very talented kid talented smart athletic had a lot of interests probably popular Mm -hmm. yeah seems like an all-around kid friends of austin said that he was funny and goofy and was always trying to make people laugh his college friend davis yates told investigators quote for people that don't know him he seems kind of really odd to begin with austin was then accepted to florida state university and joined the alpha delta pi fraternity Austin was doing really well at college, and he had a large group of friends, was getting good grades in his classes, he attended his fraternity events, and there was never any signs of violence or strange behavior. He even had a girlfriend named Katie. Hmm. He seems normal to me. Basically, like an all-around, just like your average average guy. Yeah, kind of above average, though. He's very talented, very smart. I mean, he excelled in stuff. Mm -hmm. Big dude, tall. Yeah, it seems like he went to Florida State. That sounded like a bad time to me. Austin did have a YouTube channel that he'd upload videos to about talking about music and weightlifting. And at the time, he was an aspiring rapper. So he'd rap <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so he'd rap. Of course he was. <laughs> so he'd rap sometimes or talk about his lyrics. His YouTube channel was named Osty Frosty. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, he had me in the first half. And now he is just Osty Frosty. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. All right. All right. Frosty. And his Instagram handle was Bicep Bible. <sighs> I should have let you finish. Oh, no. Actually, <laughs> I like the second part, too. Bicep what? Bicep Bible. Bicep Bible. Which is kind of catchy. Like, I got to say, it, it is like catchy for like the, ins- I feel like the fitness Instagrammers. Okay. Yours would be like Chizzy Chase. Oh, That'd Jesus be like Christ. a YouTube Chiseled channel. Chiseled Chase. Chiseled Chase. <laughs> bicep bible though like come on dude <sighs> that is frat frat yeah hard frat hard frat well he had over four thousand followers on his instagram and his youtube channel has over two hundred thousand subscribers damn but we don't know if that was because of this story or from the previous videos oh, because okay. that channel's still active yeah but i mean still yeah. i'm gonna assume he's still pretty popular yeah so i think i mean when you're the bicep bible how could you not be how could you not i mean mr frosty is the bicep bible (laughs) spit you some lyrics and then hit your heart at the gym baby getting freezy on them oh getting freezy on frosty (laughs) 
Austin's YouTube channel description read, quote, this that fuck around music y'all been hearing about. Mm. H-Town, baby. <laughs> What's <laughs> up, Frosty? <laughs> I've got a psycho side and a normal side. I've lost my mind. Help me find it. Which is pretty eerie That's for what deep, we learn later. Yeah, it's Austin was an advocate for drug-free bodybuilding and often spoke on his YouTube channel and his Instagram about drug enhancements and steroids not being natural or beneficial to him for bodybuilding and the weightlifting that he was doing. This is when Austin said that he no longer looked up to Arnold Schwarzenegger and wanted to follow and look up to more drug-free bodybuilders. Okay, I mean, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Very good. He said, quote, I want to follow myself and I want to actually believe in myself. I just know that they're not me and I know what's right for me and I don't need drugs, which is really good because there is a like bodybuilding. There's so many people that do drugs and steroids because there's obsession and this addiction and pressure to be bigger and stronger. So if you go into it going, I don't really I don't I don't want to be involved. Well, and it could just really fuck your life up. Yeah. So it's a good thing not to do it. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do them. Austin continued to talk a lot about how being natural is the choice he's making and it's the best choice for him. He wanted to be drug free and he said that he felt better being drug free. When he was 17, Austin had his first alcoholic drink, which when I was doing this research, a lot of people were like, oh my God, that's so young. But like to me, that's actually kind of late. I what, feel. What, 13? 17. Oh, 17? Uh, I mean, your first drink? Yeah, probably. Young? No, 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 no. I think that's a little old. No. Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. People were, when people did this case, they were like, that's so young. And I was like, I feel like that's actually right around that's the really age. That's really not that like, young. No, at it's kind of like old, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember my first time, but I mean, yeah. But yeah, like 16, 17, 18 is the time where you're like, you, you try got, it. Yeah. But like, you want to try it because you want to, like, then you got to go to college. You don't. I'm telling you right now, people, you want to be smart while drinking in college. You do not want to go into your freshman year and not know exactly what you're doing because you will end up in someone else's apartment that you don't know and you're not going to like it. (laughs) What? Not talking from experience. I'm just saying a blackout. Wait, what do you mean end up in someone else's apartment? Like if you get blackout drunk, you'll like stumble into someone else's apartment. Oh, oh my God. I was like, oh my God. are they gonna get kidnapped? That's what I thought you were. Oh saying. no, no! I was just saying like you get drunk, you like fall asleep on the floor, you fall. Oh, asleep then you on, like, like the wander grass. into your room. Yeah, and you don't yeah. want to be that person laying in the floor. No. Or throwing up in a bathroom stall. Oh God, no. No. Been you, there, done that. Say, so don't be like Kelsey. Don't be like me. But the concerning thing is that by eighteen, Austin was blacking out almost every time he drank. There we go. Yeah, we <laughs> turn the corner. We just yeah. He didn't drink alone ever. He was drinking at parties with his friends and out and about socially. But he said that he did feel a lot less anxious when he drank, which is what caused him to keep drinking. Well, and you're a freshman in college. At this at this point, he was in high school. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a little... Oh, the 17? Yeah, and like... Okay, I thought when 18. you were saying 17, he was like trying alcohol. He no. had his... No, he had his first sip it. He had his first... He had his first alcoholic drink at 17, and then at 18, his senior year... He was just He was getting out. blackout. See, now yeah. that's that, young. And <laughs> that's too much. Young and like your second year and your... I, I'll just be honest. I've only blacked out one time, and it's really scary. It's so scary. It's so scary that you... The next morning go, I never want to do that. That was so you never, petrifying. You don't remember anything. No, and that's a very scary thing. And so to, to have that happen every time you're drinking, that's not normal. And that's very scary at 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. During the summer of 2016, Austin stopped drinking and focused heavily on his health and his fitness. His use of marijuana did increase during this time, and he was smoking almost every other day. On Friday, August 12th of 2016, Austin had thrown away all of his marijuana. It's stated that he also had mushrooms, but there hasn't been any confirmation of if he threw them out, but I'm going to assume he did because he told his mom and her boyfriend that he no longer wanted to take anything that interfered with his body. This included the Adderall that he was prescribed, and so he gave it back to his mom, and it's confirmed that he stated that he tried LSD, mushrooms, Molly, and Xanax. Jesus. I mean, okay, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge somebody because they tried stuff while being young in high school or college or whatever. And it seems like okay, he did it, he tried it just like any other college per I mean, yes, the the drug what he took was a little extensive and a little extreme, but it's like at least he's like, okay, I'm drinking too much. I got to stop. Okay, I did my fun with the drugs. I'm going to stop. So, it seems like he like 
understands where like he doesn't he doesn't sink to really deep deep holes no he because at this point he's 19 and you're smart enough to stop yourself and look in the mirror and be like okay i need to stop this is really a hard thing to do at like a young age because your brain's still developing and you're killing it with mushrooms and xanax and and like you said like i can't judge anybody on the drugs you have or haven't taken that's literally not our place to do so but i i mean like having the smarts to say hey like i'm gonna focus on my health and fitness and give all this up and i'm gonna tell my mom that I'm oh yeah big time and giving all of this up so that i can be held accountable no, that's huge at 19 years old because yeah. you can see a lot of people sink and just keep doing those like doing okay smoking some weed not the worst thing in the world but you're like when you're doing like mushrooms and xanax and molly like those things can really screw with your brain like kill your brain mm-hmm. so i mean that's yeah that's just not good In college, Austin used Vyvanse and Adderall to help him focus sometimes, and it was really only like four to six times that he used that stuff, and at the time of the story, Austin had no psychiatric history, and he was very shy, and he was very anxious, and he did suffer from episodes of sleep paralysis. He'd had depressive feelings since middle school, but he said as he got older, his depressive moods lasted from several hours a day to a day, two days, and they could happen from either once a week to twice a week and then turning into multiple times a week. In college, Austin began having manic episodes and his highs were skyrocketing while his lows were plummeting uncontrollably. During this time, Austin was working as a dental assistant, probably at his dad's practice. And like I said, he did have a girlfriend of about four to five months named Katie, and he had a large friend group, and he was part of the frat. Yeah, I mean, he's a popular kid, seemed to be doing... I mean, you see it all the time. Kids can very easily hide that stuff mm-hmm. and live normal lives, so... And when you're in college, if you're struggling with something... Sometimes you keep it to yourself, especially as a guy. Well, and also in college, like, I don't know about everyone else, but, like, college, I I kept busy. Yeah. So if you're in a frat, you have a girlfriend, you have a job, you're participating in other things, you're not on the drugs, like, you can really keep yourself busy and really... And you're distracted. Yeah, and, and you're also in college where, like... People go into like these hermit moods sometimes for a couple of days, and it's just like he's had a, he's just had a party. He's just been crazy partying the past couple of days. He's just like hungover. He's just like it's not. If one of my buddies just like went in for two days and was just like chilling, I wouldn't think anything of it. So, no, I know what you mean because we would do the same things. So it's like sometimes because you go out so much on the weekends or you go to your classes and then you come home and everybody's laughing and chatting and hanging out. And if you're doing a job and you have a girlfriend. You have all these different things keeping you preoccupied. Yeah, and people might just be like, he's busy. Right. So, yeah, you can And if he's asleep, like at nighttime when everyone's asleep, when that's he, if he's having sleep paralysis, there's nobody to go to. No, and if you're having these, yeah, I mean, your highs, that I will say the only thing that you may maybe be able to pick it out is when you see him like really happy and on a super high, but sometimes people just have good days. Right. So So Michelle Mishkon-Stevens, who was only 53 years old and her husband joseph john stevens iii who was 59 years old lived together in a home in tequesta florida which was a suburb of west palm beach florida the couple have two children a daughter named ivy stevens and a son also named john stevens after his father john was a retired owner of a landscaping business green smart lawn and garden which state records show was established in 2013 and was operated out of his home The company was inactive by September of 2015, and Michelle worked the last 15 years at the Boca Raton-based Striano Financial Group of Northwestern Mutual and... (laughs) That's a long title. Why did I say it like that? I don't know. Michelle worked the last 15 years at the Boca Raton-based Striano Financial Group, which was from Northwestern Mutual, and John and Michelle got married on June 9th of 1997. Oh, okay. Neighbors described <laughs> Neighbors described John and Michelle as great neighbors who were always having fun and were extremely kind to everybody. The couple often rode around the neighborhood in their golf cart with their dog, and they also had a television and chairs in their garage which faced the street, and they were always known to sit there in the garage with their door open waving at the neighbors while the football games played or while they had the tv on at night and since they lived in florida they also loved to be out on the water either fishing or boating or just hanging out at the beach 
Seems like a typical Florida fan couple. Mm-hmm. Sounds nice. The couple also adored each other, and Michelle wrote to her husband on his 52nd birthday and their 12th anniversary and said, quote, You truly are my everything. Words are really so inadequate to express my love for you. Each night when I go to sleep, you are the last person I think of, so I fall asleep happy. No. I know. Before their wedding, John wrote to his soon-to-be wife, quote, I'm just giddy thinking about what our new life together will bring. We both have been married before and understand what this new start is for us together. I'm so in love with you. I feel like a new person, and I hope that this new life of ours will bring joy to us both. You bring me happiness just by being and make my life whole. So a very sweet couple. Yeah. 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 Oh, you said. <laughs> Come on, you're a crime podcaster. Let's get it together. So the couple had been married 19 years, which is kind of eerie because Austin was also 19 when this story happened. So 19 is just the number of the case. And the two of them had met at a financial institution. And at this point, they were retired and they were just chilling, living their best life in the Sunshine State. Austin and Michelle and John were all neighbors. And though they did not know one another, it was summertime. So Austin was home on break from school and friends and family had been worried about Austin through the month of July and the early weeks of August. His behavior seemed strange and the things he was saying weren't really making any sense to anyone. And according to his sister, Haley, there was a point where Austin was making animal noises and growling and he had even attempted to jump in front of a moving car. Wow. Okay. So everything's taking a very big turn. At yeah, this he's point. just he's yeah, going down a bad hill fast. Yeah. It was it was in early August that Austin realized that he had a lot of trouble sleeping, and when he went to visit his girlfriend Katie, who lived in Tampa, Florida, from August fourth to the seventh, he was only sleeping about two hours a night. Oof. Now a big cause of psychosis is lack of sleep, and sleep really is a very important thing to a human body. Austin claimed to see images of monsters at this point and demon-like figures when he woke up in the morning. He also claimed to be fearless and even have superpowers. When he went to work at the dental office, he believed that he could manipulate the water while it sterilized dental instruments. And he also claimed to feel like Jesus. And on August 12th, he avoided any dark clothing and said that he was drawn to wearing white and that dark clothing was made for the devil okay well yeah i mean what he said the fourth through the seventh he got two hours to sleep a night so that's what four days three days and it's like you're getting six hours of sleep for 72 hours yep i don't like where this is going um austin also became increasingly afraid of darkness and would go to extensive lengths to avoid it so here we see austin's headed down a really dark hole mentally and it's sad because there is obviously some mental health issues happening here that people either weren't seeing or weren't educated enough to know the signs and symptoms and know when to step in. In the days before August 15th, Austin says that he's really afraid that there's a dark demon-like spirit that he's afraid will kill him in his sleep. So during this time, Austin's internet searches included things like how to know if I'm going crazy, how to know if you're going crazy, think you're going crazy, a beginner's guide to psychosis. I want to do something so bad that it hurts. Yeah, I, I am curious to know like where everyone in his family was like through this whole process because it seems like he's going pretty fast and pretty like downhill quick. So it's like I wonder what like people were trying or thinking or what were they doing? Well, and he knows that something's wrong. Yeah. And it's evident that it's either scaring him or he doesn't understand what that is because to Google search something, I want something so bad it hurts means that you and your so you in your body are like what well, i want this so bad and i don't understand why like why yeah, do i want to do weird. this so bad yeah. yeah a week before august 15th austin sent his girlfriend katie a text and so this is like a bunch of texts and there's not really the conversation that you can find but like this is essentially all of the things he said in a text exchanged so you're gonna see how quickly back and forth the moods shift These are just all the things he said, but it was like, we don't have the conversation, so I'm just reading, just so you know. This wasn't one long text. It was just all of the texts that he sent from this conversation. I've never felt better. I am honestly the happiest I've ever been, and it feels great. I believe in myself, and I don't care about anything possibly that bad that can happen to me. Then his next text. I think I'm legit crazy. It's like I can hardly sleep. His third, his third text was, Chase is staring at 
<laughs> his third text was, I know it's hard to understand and it's harder for me to realize what I'm doing, but I'm literally making the impossible happen. It's a lot of feelings of grandiose. Then his fourth text, I don't think I'm going crazy. I think I'm just evolving. Mm. And I didn't know what grandiose means, but it means like impressive and imposing in appearance or style, especially pretentiously, which basically it just means that you think you're like the bee's knees. His mood swings are all over the place. It's so up and down. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of cult leaders would use the word grandiose. And so you can see here we've got these high highs and low lows and these feelings are back all over the place, so one right after the other in a matter of text exchanges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's spiraling. On Saturday, August 13th, Austin went around and began collecting people's business cards. He believed that he could help these people and protect them. But then, the next day, on August 14th, Austin became terrified of these business cards and ripped them all up because he thought that they'd actually had the opposite effect and would bring in the bad spirits from those people. Yep, high and then a low. Mm-hmm. His, yeah, his mood swinging. He also stated during this time that he thought water was related to the fountain of youth and would help keep him young. So he was drinking so much water. Okay. On this same Sunday, Austin went to a knife and gun show with his dad and his dad's girlfriend, Carrie. Bad place. Probably not the greatest no. spot to take a person who's going through some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Austin didn't buy any guns, but he did purchase a knife and it was like a switchblade pocket knife. He said that he bought this knife for protection from everything and that that was his reasoning and that's what he said when he bought the knife. Hmm. Okay. Not a good sign. On Monday, August 15th, Austin woke up and wore his Michael Vick Falcons jersey because he believed that he had a special relationship with dogs. Oh, okay. Weird connection you got there, but okay. Initially, Austin thought that Michael Vick was a shitty human being because he legit is, and I literally don't know why the NFL allows him and wife beaters and murderers and animal abusers into their organization. That's just sidebar. But then Austin thought of Michael Vick as a good guy, and he also put on his aviator sunglasses because he thought that they were going to protect him from evil for the day. Oh, okay, Tom Cruise. So, like... The reasoning, too, for all of these things are so extreme and so all over the place (laughs) that it's just hard to... Yeah, I mean... And he was vocalizing this to his family. All of these things. Yeah, I mean, how far can you be like, oh, he's going through a phase? Right. This is a little extreme. A little weird. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know how... That's what I'm saying, like... How's the girlfriend miss that? How's the mom? I mean, like, I mean, it could easily, there could be easily explained away. I'm just asking the question. Right. Like, how is this missed? Austin then went down to the beach that morning and, quote, ran like an animal. He was hopping from rock to rock in a parkour style way, saying that he was an acrobat. And then he was saying that he felt like he was half dog, half man. And then other times saying that he felt like he was a half horse, half man. And as much as it is like what the actual, it's also really sad because this person genuinely believes that he is half person, half dog, and that this isn't a made up game and that in his mind, he believes that that's what he is. So these mental illnesses just really do consume you and they consume you so fast and they take over your life. And that's what really sad about mental illness. Yeah. While Austin was at the beach, he then ran home three to four miles to his dad's house to get his car. (laughs) What? Sprinted home. Okay. Mind you, he's not sleeping and he has all of this energy. And along the way, he ran out into the middle of a busy street and just stood in the middle of the street while all the cars had to drive around him and avoid hitting him. And Austin said that he felt invincible. Could that all really be from just no sleep? I mean, I see how, but... Well... That on top of mental problems on top of... It's the no sleep is because of... A mental illness that has come into play yeah i know but just wow i'm just wondering like what makes someone just snap this fast and so like hard and that, but that's like that's what's so scary about yeah i don't know it's just yeah it's crazy so his dad got home around lunchtime and his dad told austin to take a valium his dad basically thought that he seemed anxious so he offered him a drug Austin refused to take the medication and threw it on the ground and said, quote, I will not be controlled by you. 
And so his dad took the keys to the car away from Austin. Smart move. In response, Austin jumped onto the hood of his dad's car and stood in an animal-like position. And this made his dad give him back the keys. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? That is like the worst dad 101. You don't give the guy acting like a feline cat. The ca- oh, oh, you want to jump on the car and bark at me? Fine. Like, that's normal. Here you go. Have the keys back, son. I don't like the parenting so far. Well, and that's the thing is like, I know the full story to this case. And in knowing all of what, like I know while I was researching, I was like, why did the parents not think something was wrong? Or give the keys back. Well, and that's like, but that's what I'm saying is like, if I just pounced onto the hood of my mom's car, she wouldn't be like, oh, here, she would be like, something's wrong. Oh, you want to act like a dog? Get in the kennel. And we're going to. Yeah, we're going to the vet. (laughs) We're going to find out what's wrong with you. Like. Get in. Like, you, yeah, no. There would be no, like, oh, that's so cute. Here's the keys. He gave me his puppy eyes. Right? And, like, Chase and I try really hard not to victim blame or shame. And, like, in this case, Austin's not a victim to the case, but he's a victim in mental illness. Because I do think that there is something there. But honestly, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, your grown son. Like, you don't even need, if you're, like, I know the whole mental illness stigma thing is, like, a scary thing, and, like, parents are freaked out about it, but there are many cases where, like, you could have a, like, brain-eating disorder, like, virus, you could have a sickness, you could have a tumor. Like, there's a lot of different explanations for why someone starts to go, like, nutty for stuff. There's no reason you don't just take him to the hospital and be like, hey, can you do a CT scan? Right. Or... I mean, I guess, like, if he's a grown six-foot, 200-pound man and he's not even going to take pills, I see how it could be hard to force him to go to the but, hospital. But here's the thing. And he's an adult. He is a football-playing, wrestling, fraternity kid who gets good grades in school. You're, like, out of nowhere. He's running around claiming to be an animal, talking about demons, possession. He's not sleeping. He's telling you all of these things. He's pouncing on the hood of your car, and you're saying... I don't think anything's wrong. Like, there are so many signs of something being wrong. And, like, to me, like, this is what, like, I I really don't want to be that person. But it's almost neglectful to, and it is, because then something happened. And I'm not blaming the parents that something happened. But at the end of the day, you were watching what was happening. But, like, but the thing is, is he's 19 years old. He's a grown man. He's an adult. He's six foot, 200 pounds. You're not going to force the kid into the car and, or make him do anything. So, it's like... But they didn't even try. I Yeah, I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying it might not have been the easiest thing. Uh, but, yes, if you already have possession of the keys and your big old son jumps onto the hood of the car, you don't have to give him the keys back. <laughs> you could take that and run. I just think that there was a lot of denial about what was happening. Who knows? There could be t- so many different factors, but he needed help, for sure. Yeah. That bottom line, he needed help. So... Austin's dad offers the medication and Austin then takes the medication from his dad and pretends to put it in his mouth. And when his dad wasn't looking, he put it in his pocket and then later used that pill to scratch on the side of the car, quote, don't trust. That's a big pill. His dad texted Austin. (laughs) His dad texted Austin afterward and said, quote, you damaged my car. And Austin replied, quote, learn. Oh, so now he's just getting sassy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Austin then drove to his friend Sam's house unannounced, and when he got there, he jumped onto the top of Sam's car because he felt like an acrobat. Oh, jeez. Sam was really confused by a lot of Bro, this. I would be pissed if my buddy, especially for 200 fucking pounds, jumps on my hood in my car. I'd be like, what the fuck? Get the fuck off my car. What are you doing? I'd be pissed. Unannounced, uninvited, yeah, too. What's up, bro? What the fuck? He just jumps on my hood in my car. Okay, yeah, th- okay. Fuck no. So Sam's very confused, obviously. Obviously, yeah. But he and Austin then go to pick up Austin's sister, Haley, and they go to the beach. So when they get to the beach, they saw five of Austin's fraternity friends from college. All of them were hanging out together, but Austin felt really distanced from his friends, and he felt like 
he wasn't involved in anything, so he isolated himself at the beach. When they left the beach, they stopped at a gas station for some post-beach snacks, and Austin continued to feel half horse, half man, and half dog, half man as he wandered through the gas station. From there, they drove to one of their buddies' houses, and everyone was smoking weed and drinking alcohol, but Austin didn't partake. Instead, he took a beer and in front of everyone poured it all over his left hand, claiming that he was feeding his hand. Okay. When they left, Haley drove home because she was nervous with Austin driving just based on the behavior and the fact that he actually made an illegal U-turn earlier while driving. Austin then climbed into the hatchback of the car because he said that he was a dog and that's where dogs go. Okay. All right. Can everybody see this now? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Austin, Sam, and Haley then drove home to Austin's dad's house. And at his dad's house, Austin changed his clothes and put on a hat, but he put the hat on backwards, which would be normal, except for the fact that Austin said that it was to help him propel forward. Whoa. The three of them, Austin, Haley, and his dad, decided to go for a nature walk. And while on the walk, Austin whipped out his new knife and said, quote, I'm in the leadership role. Which is me to chase every time he tells me to do something that I don't want to do. <laughs> you better not whip a knife out on me. No, I'm saying I'm in the leadership role. Are you? I'd say so. Mm, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm definitely not. She's holding a knife to me right now. <laughs> Austin's dad told him to put the knife away. But Austin then took off running and leapt over a wall. His dad called his girlfriend, Carrie, and asked Carrie if she could go find Austin because he ran off. So Carrie finds Austin, and the family decides to go out to dinner at Duffy's restaurant. What? People. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. If my, what? This is why Glad I was, you're back, son. You're done playing with your knife. Let's go to dinner. And that's why I'm saying, like... That's bad. It's really hard, because I know everything about this case, so that's it's... That's just bad. Like, earlier, when I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> You know what? That was normal. Everybody, are you ready for an outdoor dinner together? You done? We got to go out to eat. That's weird. So Austin, his dad, Carrie, and Austin's friend Sam are all at dinner. This timeline's kind of wonky. Like, I don't know where Haley went and how Sam appeared. Yeah, how did Haley leave and then his friend just And then Sam appears. Like, it's just like, I don't know how that happened. But anywho, they're at dinner. So while they're sitting at the table, Austin starts to get antsy and says to everyone that he feels, quote, trapped because of how long it's taking to get food. Austin then tells everyone that he is an angel of death and that his dad's girlfriend, Carrie, is an angel of life. He then tells everyone, because he gets, he all of a sudden gets really freaked out, and he tells everyone at the table that he feels the presence of the Grim Reaper. He then says that he needs to leave the restaurant and says that he needs to go to the bathroom. So he gets up and leaves and instead of going to the bathroom he walks all the way home to his mom's house oh my god austin's mom doesn't know that austin's coming home so she's in her house and she hears a knock at the door it was austin and once he gets inside he goes right into the kitchen once he's in the kitchen she follows him and she comes in to find austin slugging down cooking oil what yeah guzzling down cooking oil in the kitchen why so she's like what the actual fuck are you doing which you would think would be like more towards drinking the cooking oil but it was geared more towards like you're supposed to be at dinner with your dad was what her like confusion was. oh my god no oh oh my god i don't i would probably like take you to the hospital if you drank all that like, yeah. i don't even know what that would do to you I don't, I, it cannot be good for you. No, there's no way that can be good for you. No. Okay. So, so then she asks him, do you want me to drive you back to Duffy's for dinner with your dad? Are these people blind? Like, are they blind? I don't know. It's the strangest thing because it's like, all of this, your son is chugging down cooking oil without gagging, without choking. He's slugging it down. And you're like, hey. Oh my God, you're supposed to be at dinner. Yeah, like, oh my God, you're supposed to be at dinner with dad. Do you want me to drive you back? Yeah, okay. So they get in the car and she says to him, I just want to take you to go to counseling. Maybe there's someone outside that you can talk to if you're uncomfortable talking to us. Will you go? So it's like, okay, well, here's your first approach. But now it's just so strange that I would just skip all of this like gentle approach. Yeah, I would be like, something's clearly not right here. Austin says, okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. 
And then he was dropped off at Duffy's restaurant. So Mina has loaded Austin into the car, drops him back off at Duffy's restaurant. Austin gets back into the restaurant and he's changed his clothes from what he's gone home in. Okay. And there is actually, I'll link it in the description. There is actually surveillance footage of Austin at this restaurant. He's wearing white cargo shorts, neon green knee-high socks, black sneakers, a blue polo shirt, and down the front, it's either like sweat, so he's like sweaty, or it's water, or it's the cooking oil, but either way, there's, it looks to be like a big stain. Nobody else really called it out, but it was the first thing I noticed, and the buttons to the polo are all unbuttoned, so it's like disheveled and stretched, and he's wearing a red backwards hat. So the top comments on the video, like I said, I'll link it, but they're talking about how his clothes are pretty much falling off of him because how much weight he'd lost so quickly in those weeks. Because if you think he's not eating, he's probably, or he's not sleeping, he's probably not eating. No, we're doing anything good for his body. Right. And he's wearing wacky clothes. So when he gets back to the table, Austin's dad demands, quote, what the hell are you doing? Austin doesn't answer. So his dad grabs him by the back of the neck and the collar and says again, what the hell are you doing? Austin then pulled back his fist like he was going to punch his dad. But Carrie, his dad's girlfriend, tells him to stop. And so Austin gets up and again leaves the restaurant. Oh, my God. This dude. Uh-huh. And I just want to note, too, like the outfit that he was wearing. It's just not like it was just pieced together so strangely. Just to call out before we go on. Like, I'll post the pictures of it. Like, a lot of people were like, I don't think that's a strange outfit. Based on what you see him wearing prior to that, it's a strange outfit. Yeah, okay. Austin begins walking towards his dad's house, but then he takes off and bolts running to, quote, follow the stars. About three quarters of the way to his dad's house, Austin stops and sees a, quote, dark figure with a white face. He believed that this was something evil. The figure in reality, turned out to be a friend of his cousin's named Daniel. Oh, gosh. So then Daniel goes, oh, hey, what's up, Austin? And Austin, not being able to register that this was Daniel, becomes terrified and starts screaming bloody murder and sprints away while he's screaming. So Daniel's like, oh, <sighs> this dude's just so fucked up. Austin then made a left turn and sees a bright white light coming from a garage. And here's where Austin, Michelle, and John all connect. Oh, no. The bright white light was coming from the garage of Michelle and John. And Michelle was sitting in her garage, like they always do, waving and saying hello to their neighbors as the day was winding down. One neighbor, Jeff, was getting ready for bed around 9.15 that night and then heard the horrifying sounds of a woman screaming. Five minutes later, Jeff called 911 and told them that he was bleeding profusely and a young man was beating up a woman in a garage next door. He said he didn't know why it was happening or who the young man was. What had happened was that after Jeff had heard the initial screaming, he went outside to see what was happening. He saw Michelle and John's garage open, as it usually was, and he saw a young white male, which was Austin, hitting Michelle. He saw Michelle lying in a pool of blood, not moving and not making any noises. As Jeff approached the scene, Austin whipped around and screamed, quote, You want no part of this. You want no part of me. Austin then began to attack Jeff, hitting him on the side of the head. Jeff then hits Austin and throws him to the ground, which you're going to learn later was like a hard thing to do. And he then ran through Michelle and John's house to get away from this. This is when Jeff realizes that he had actually been stabbed multiple times. Oh, shit. Yeah. As the police arrive... They were met with a horrifying scene. Trigger warning, this is very graphic, so I just want to kind of give you a little heads up. They saw a young man, which again was Austin, covered in blood, bear-hugging and clutching a man who was covered in blood and not moving and not making any noises. Austin was biting and chewing on the man's face. What? The man was John, and Austin was biting his face off. The deputy who arrived had shot Austin with a taser, and that didn't work. And it didn't even stun him or make him look to know what was going on. So another deputy got there and he too fired his taser and that also didn't work. Two more deputies arrived and the four of them are tasing and wrestling Austin off and none of that's working. What is going... This dude is like... 
going yeah. insane. He's not stunned. He's not shocked. The tasing isn't hurting. He's not getting off. He is gripped onto John and John's face. This is when they released a canine and finally they engaged Austin. The dog clamped down on Austin's arm and yanks it away from John. But Austin yanks his arm out of the dog's mouth, which is not an easy thing to do. Yanks his arm out of the dog's mouth and with it pulls off skin and rips out muscles. And it didn't even make him flinch as if it had never even happened because he went right back to doing what he was doing. What the fuck? He was so focused on John. He was basically like a rabid animal. That's literally what the cops described him as. Police begin kicking Austin in the head. And then I mean, Austin, what else are you supposed to do? Right. I mean, if this dude's literally the tasers didn't work, the canine the ki- didn't the work. The canine like, ripped his almost ripped his arm off, yeah. and he's just like. And nuts. there's four grown male cops pulling at this kid, and I'll show you pictures. At this point, he probably weighed like 160 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Crazy. That's fucking crazy. So when they were kicking Austin in the head, that also didn't really get him to stop. He would kind of release, but then clamp harder. Finally, they get one of Austin's hands in the handcuffs, and this is when they were all able to drag Austin off of John. These police said that they used every bit of strength that they had, and it took four full-grown male police officers and a canine to get Austin off of John and stop and to be placed in handcuffs. After tasing him. After tasing him. Multiple times. Yep. What the actual fuck? This is when Austin... Holy shit. This is when Austin starts screaming, quote, fucking kill me, shoot me, just fucking shoot me and kill me. I deserve to die. Sadly, John and his wife, Michelle, were both pronounced dead at the scene and... I'm going to just say this right now. You can if you want to, but I would highly recommend not looking up photos from the crime scene because I... Are they out there? Yeah. Oh my God. I stumbled on them and it made me very... It's just... I just... It's a lot. Um, It's a lot. So Michelle's cause of death was blunt force trauma and Jeff, the neighbor, had stab wounds to his lower back, broken fingers, scratches to the head. He had internal bleeding, and he had to have exploratory surgery due to the bleeding in his stomach. So this is why I was saying it's kind of shocking that Jeff could even knock Austin down yeah. because of the strength that he had with the four cops. Right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was just going so crazy. I cannot believe that this dude just acted like an a rabid dog and was chewing this dude's face. Yep. Sheriff Snyder said at a press conference at the time, quote, it's inexplicable. You know, one of the first things we try to do at a crime scene is to begin to understand the motive of the offender. But in this case, we just cannot establish a motive. Yeah, it's so sad. Austin was immediately loaded into an ambulance where he was taken to St. Mary's Medical Center. And he said to detectives and EMTs, quote, oh, no, I ate something bad. And then they asked what? And he said, quote, humans whoa okay what is wrong dude something like mm-hmm. he went down bad i want like what caused this what investigators learned is that michelle was in the garage and it seemed like john was out walking the dog in the neighborhood when he returned back to the garage he saw a young man attacking his wife in the garage with a pocket knife and tools that were found in the garage mm. So John runs up to the garage to try and stop this person, but he couldn't. This was all the screaming and the commotion that Jeff had heard. Investigators believe that Austin was on either Flaca, which was a drug, or bath salts or designer drugs, as they were known to cause paranoia, visions, and superhuman strength. However, his toxicology report came back that he had absolutely no drugs in his system at the time of the attacks. He did have alcohol traces in his system, though. Later that night, around 11 p.m., Austin's mom, Mina, makes a call to 911 about her son. Now, Austin's parents don't know where he is. He just up and left the restaurant. Oh, yeah, the restaurant. Yeah, and he, they hadn't heard from him. Mina and Wade had actually been walking around looking for Austin, and Mina had seen all of the ambulances, because remember, this is one of his neighbors that yeah. he doesn't know. Yeah. Mina had actually seen all the ambulances and the police cars at the residence of Michelle and John. But when she walked up and basically was like, hey, like what happened? Thinking that it was her son, someone said, quote, domestic dispute. So she was like, "Okay, good. That's not my son. Oh, God. So she walked away thinking that that Austin wasn't over there. Well, 
Mina makes this call to Jupiter police to report concerns that her son had been acting strangely, saying that he had, quote, superpowers and was saying that he was immortal. She said to 911, quote, he's acting a little strange. It seems like he's a little delusional or he's acting like it, like schizophrenia. And then she told 911 that this was a recent change, and that he'd never been acting like this before. Austin had to be sedated at the hospital due to his ongoing violence and superhuman behavior in the ambulance and in the stretcher. His tongue had been almost completely chewed off. Oh my, but that's the thing though, is like, he wasn't on basalt. He wasn't on these drugs. Like, he... He was on nothing. I'm sorry, but like, he he was superhuman. To get tased four different times, kicked, punched ripped arm like arm ripped by a dog sedated you chew basically you chewed your own tongue off Mm -hmm. and you're just fine and yeah he's covered in cuts abrasions your head's been kicked in your arm is mangled from a canine and you're just like nothing's nothing saves you you know like what type of ability in your body like what can that that's something like so dark in your brain that like pain didn't register no wow man that's crazy austin was also suffering from internal damage after drinking what he believed to be alcohol in michelle and john's garage but it was actually either gasoline or bleach or some sort of chemical solution oh god so his organs had begun to fail and he did up end up recovering from this in the hospital and investigators believe that the alcohol traces that were found in his system could have actually come from whatever chemical he drank in the garage yeah okay so yeah he was sober as can be that is superhuman that's so freaky that's so scary and it's kind of sad because it's like what changed in his life so dramatically unless it's ghosts i don't know Mm. Mm. paranormal Austin was immediately charged with two counts of first-degree murder, and upon their investigation, detectives found a journal that Austin had been writing in. This journal, along with other files that were obtained, appeared to include at least one school project and possibly lyrics that Austin had written. Dozens of videos posted on his YouTube show different videos ranging from being a fitness advisor to an amateur rapper, and he talked about sex and drugs in those rapping lyrics. Some of the lyrics are, quote, Do you know what it feels like to be so afraid to speak? Becoming a bully because all the bullies bullied me. Fuck man, I just want to be accepted. The anxiety I feel inside feels like I internally bleed. Austin was also writing a lot about being bullied at school and dealing with anxiety and accepting his death. He also wrote, quote, you say my big heart's going to kill me one day. My head roller coasting with all these drugs in my brain. So why do it anyways? Why do it anyways? More than 100 pages of Austin's writing going as far back to 2013 were released by the 19th Judicial Circuit State Attorney's Office, along with hundreds of other documents inside the search of his bedroom. So he was doing a lot of writing and documenting about how he felt, how he felt, how he felt, the anxiety he had, the depression, the bullying. So there was a lot going on in Austin's world that a lot of people didn't know. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, still, though, to go that freaking crazy mm-hmm. just to snap that fast when wade haruf was interviewed he told investigators that during the weekend before the attacks his son also walked out on dinner with the family like he'd had at duffy's sports bar and grill on the night of the murders then with a lawyer by his side wade told a martin county sheriff's deputy deputy and an assistant state attorney that his son was quiet that evening that they were at the restaurant so Wade said to his son, quote, I told him, I want my Frosty back. Stop being so serious. I want old Austin back. A medical examiner who performed the autopsies on John and Michelle stated that they died quickly because of the extent of their multiple injuries. Austin's defense team made it clear early in the case that they would seek an acquittal by reason of insanity. And in order for that to happen, Austin had to convince a judge that he didn't know what he was doing at the time of the murders or didn't know it was wrong and couldn't understand the consequences of his own actions. Two psychologists, one hired by the state and one hired by the defense, have concluded that during the murders, Austin was suffering a, quote, acute psychotic episode. These experts also found that Austin, quote, was unable to distinguish right from wrong, meaning he would actually meet Florida's criteria to be acquitted by reason of insanity. I mean, 
yes and no. Like, uh, I don't think he should be acquitted of it. Mm-mm. But I mean, yes, we can all sit here and say it's he's insane. But I don't think he should be acquitted of doing something that horrific to somebody. Yeah, I get really, I like, I don't, I don't agree with that personally because like, you did it. You took two people away from a family. And you you brutally murdered people, and I get it. Like, you, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You, I think uh, you should be found guilty. No acquittal. That's dumb. You don't need to be acquitted of it. But like, you can be like, he's guilty, but he's insane. So let's figure out where we need to put him. Well, and that's why, like, that's why I wanted to cover this now because this decision came out a week ago. So right now, we don't know if he's going to be facing any jail time because right now it's looking like he's not going to be. Ugh, Jesus. Okay. So before Circuit Judge Sherwood Bauer ruled, he listened to nearly two hours of mainly angry and very distraught speeches from the families of both John and Michelle. Many of these people spoke directly to Austin as he sat motionless with his three defense attorneys. Cindy Mishcon, Michelle's sister, spent several minutes reading dozens and dozens and dozens of drug and alcohol-related text messages that Austin had sent to his college friends and his girlfriend Katie in the months leading up to the murders. She shared that he repeatedly commented on being drunk to the point of blacking out and about his nearly daily drug use. The more Cindy read the text, the angrier she seemed to become and at times raising her voice as she addressed Austin. Cindy also shared the numerous recorded jail phone calls where Austin had with his family members, and she said that these seemed to disparage John and Michelle and minimized his role in the murders. She said, quote, I quickly realized from listening to those calls that you don't care about how your actions have affected my family. You don't care that you murdered my parents' firstborn child. You don't care about anyone but yourself. In fact, the only victim that you and your family see in all of this is you and the Haruf name. Cindy then insisted Austin was not insane when he committed the homicides, and she called the findings of the mental health experts, quote, outright lies. And she said, quote, here we are opening the prison doors for a double murderer. Four words come to my mind. White rich boy justice. Oh, goodness. That's why I called out the um, income earlier, because that those four words are the headlines of everything right now. Cindy then went on to criticize Austin's father, Wade, for buying his son a switchblade knife the day before the murders while attending a gun show together. Austin's entire family, including his parents and his sister and his grandmother, sat silent in court, often with their heads down as Michelle's relatives spoke. Jody Bruce, who's Michelle Mishcon's sister, told the court about all the nightmares and the sleepless nights and the so many tears that she'd shed since the murders. Jody said, quote, Michelle had two sisters, a brother, a father, two stepkids, a niece, and a nephew who loved her. We suffer. I suffer every day. Michelle was our everything. My family is broken. We will never be repaired. My sister was the nicest person, and she would do anything for anyone. She was so happy, and she had such a great life. She smiled. She laughed all the time. You beat her up, and you stopped her. Jody made it very clear that she was disappointed that the case lingered on for so long, and now Austin would not face any trial if he were found insane. She said, quote, I'm frustrated with the state attorney's office, and I'm upset that I don't feel like anybody has paid attention or cared about this case in a way that they should have since day one. Ivy Stevens, who was John Stevens' daughter, described her excitement as a child while she waited for her father and Michelle to pick her up for the weekends that included playing games like hide-and-seek, climbing trees, and cruising around with the windows down. She said, quote, I have wonderful memories of them, not only as a little girl, but also as an adult. They took me in when I needed help, as good overall parents do. My dad and Michelle were like magnets. They attracted people to them because they because of who they were. They were fun, genuine, caring people who just wanted to be happy and make everyone around them happy. They built an incredible life together that I don't believe many people will ever be able to obtain. Some members of John and Michelle's family quietly sobbed as Mm. Ivy spoke, and Ivy then turned and addressed Austin and said, quote, When I think of Michelle, I try to imagine how she felt when she found you staring back at her, how her breaths left her body out of fear. I cannot even begin to imagine how terrified she must have been when you attacked her. You beat her, stabbed her, broke her nose, knocked out her teeth, hit her head so hard so many times into the concrete that you partially scalped her. Oh my god. 
Ivy said of her dad that she immediately thinks of his last words and said, quote, help me, get off, get him off me, please help. She said, quote, the last words that my father spoke were used to beg for his life. She then turned back to Austin and said, quote, you are a disgusting animal. I am so angry that this is the only way that I can remember them now. I'm angry that they won't be remembered for the life they lived before you. Ivy then addressed Austin's parents seated behind the defense table, demanding to know why they didn't do more to help their son before the fatal attacks of her own parents. Oh, shit. She said, quote, why didn't you intervene if you were so worried about your son? You shouldn't have let him leave your house the night of August 15th if he was acting so strange. You should have stopped him and reasoned with him, asked him what was wrong and how you could have helped him. And she concluded her overall court statements by saying, quote, you're a murderer, a monster, and a coward for not taking responsibility for what you you did you have ruined the lives and taken others you have caused inexplicable grief a sadness that cannot be cured holy shit i mean she's not wrong though like i'm on her side yeah i mean like what the hell is wrong i'm looking i, I looked him up and like some of the photos and stuff it's so crazy mm -hmm. what he did it's so weird so weird so, oh, keep, you still going to tell me what happens to this crazy man? So he was found to be insane. Oh, my God. And so with that, Judge Sherward Bauer ruled that Austin Haruf would be involuntarily committed into the custody of the Department of Children and Families for placement in a secured mental health facility. Judge Bauer's ruling canceled a non-jury trial that had been scheduled to begin to determine whether or not he was found guilty of the murders. It came after state prosecutors and defense lawyers stated that they had agreed that Judge Bauer could make a determination on whether or not there was sufficient evidence that Austin Haruf met the criteria for being legally insane at the time of the crimes. Judge Bauer, in his ruling, noted that two mental health experts had concluded that Austin Haruf was not sane when he killed John Stevens and Michelle Mishkon. Judge Bauer said, quote, In this case, the defense and the state have agreed to this particular outcome. I am sure, based upon all the facts and circumstances that they had, it's a very sad case. It's an awful case. Nobody is losing sight, I tell you, I know I'm not, of the deaths and the injuries that were sustained in this case. But when it all gets said and done, the state and the defense have made the determination that mental intent was not formulated. It wasn't there, and therefore the defendant is technically not guilty by reason of insanity. I really didn't like the outcome of that at all. No. But that dude is insane. And that is sad. And it's crazy how fast his life switched up on him. Outside of the courthouse, Austin Haruf's defense attorney, Nellie King, said that the case had always been about mental illness, and she said before the murders, Austin Haruf had, quote, good grades, a gentle demeanor, and no criminal record. He could be anybody's son, brother, neighbor, friend, and he experienced a severe psychotic episode. It was always about mental illness. There was never in the three drug tests that were submitted, including to the FBI lab, an indication that this was narcotics or substance abuse related. And his lawyer also said that the two mental health experts determined that Austin Haruf had, quote, such severe auditory and visual hallucinations and delusions that he didn't have the capacity to understand what he was doing at the time. Austin had gone on Dr. Phil in March of 2017, it's episode 112, season 15, if you're interested, and said, quote, I guess there was something seriously wrong with me. I never wanted to hurt anybody. And in 2019... A report from Dr. Philip Resnick, a forensic psychiatrist at the University Hospitals of Cleveland in Ohio, indicated that Austin Haruf had bipolar disorder and was manic with psychotic features. He also noted that Austin went through a period of ranging moods a week prior to the stabbing deaths. And according to Resnick's report, Austin Haruf also had an acute manic episode and experienced clinical lycanthropy. He believed that he had turned into a, quote, non-human being and was being persecuted. Austin's lawyer said, quote, when he learned of the conduct of his actions, he's been extremely remorseful. His faith has helped to support him as well as his family, but he has to live with this tragedy every single day. So it was determined less than a week ago that Austin was found not guilty by reason of insanity and Austin would be admitted to a psychiatric facility and it is highly possible that he will not face any jail time. And I do want to take a moment to say that just because somebody does have a mental illness of any kind 
does not mean nor even suggest that they are capable of committing such a horrific crime or do anything horrific to others. And I also want to take a note to say if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Alliance of Mental Illness at 1-800-950-6264 or send an email to info at nami.org to find support and resources. And I will put that in the show notes. And I also want to take a moment to remember Michelle and John as this is an extremely tragic case. And I hope that they're together in a garage somewhere. Okay, don't do it. You got this. Holding hands and waving at their new neighbors. And that's the case. Ugh. I know, it's sad. I know. I don't know why that one got to me. I know, it got you. I know. Well, it's pretty sad because it's just like they they didn't, like, it's just two people sitting on their front porch one night. I know. And then they got brutally murdered. I think that's why. Like, brutally murdered. The fact that this kid's walking around free just pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, he's not free because he's at, like, a psychiatrist. Whatever. But, like, to, it's just sad because it's, like, well, I, like, it's hard because I can sit here and be like, that's wrong, but I don't have an answer. Like, I don't have an answer of what should happen. Well, he shouldn't just be able to, like, there needs to be consequences for your actions. Yeah. So, I just, I don't know. I feel like he got off a little easy. That's in my opinion. Well, I think it's, I think it's hard. Like, I think, like, why it's interesting, too, is literally, so today, like, before we recorded, Chase and I went to the gym, but it was, like, we couldn't stay. We had to come back, (laughs) story for another time so we come back and i start working out here and you made the comment where i said i said i can't wait to have a house and like we can build our gym in our garage and then you go yeah with the door with the garage door open playing music and i was like yeah and then you go but you need to have a weapon in there in case anybody walks up and does anything you literally said that yeah and i was like oh gosh and like i think that's why it's just like because I thought about, like, imagine just being in your garage and this happens. It's just so just sad. So it's sad. so scary. But we're, now we're seeing it with everybody with guns and violence. I know. And... The world is just so freaking scary. I know. And it's sad. And it's sad that they had to die that we like, that way. And that kid got it. And honestly, fuck the parents. Well, yeah, that's like, that's why I, like, don't want to freaking blame parents. But come on, man. Like, you know. You freaking know. Yeah, like, you know when something's wrong. Yeah, you got to do better. You just got to do better for everyone involved. You're not, yeah, sad. Gosh, sorry. Oh, I know you're sad, but it's okay. It's okay. We live and we learn and we, this is the whole reason we talk about it. I know. Anyways. Hope you guys enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) But if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you're following because we're wrapping up our 2022 episodes. My goodness, another year in the books. Another year in the books. Actually, I haven't even hit a year yet. So. Who? Oh, wait. Are we talking about the podcast or us? Uh, just life. Oh. Another year. I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the podcast. No. <laughs> yeah. 2023. 2023. Um, But, yeah, we don't have many cases left of 2022. And then, uh, but if you liked this episode, make sure to give it a... Why do I say that? If you liked this episode, make sure that you're subscribed and following because we upload new episodes every Monday. Monday. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can send us an Instagram. Or I'm all over the place. You are all over the. She's Take it sad away, now, Chase. I know. Um, what Instagram? Crime with a K. Facebook. Oh, we don't have a Facebook, do we? Uh, Gmail at crime with the K at gmail.com. and. Other than that. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. I gotta go get Kelsey a tissue. Because <laughs> she's crying.